we're all Americans, and I think part of being American, if you can kind of like understand what our cultural makeup is, is that Americans are individuals, right? We're all individuals. We all are unique. We all have our own wants, needs, and desires, and we, we can make ourselves and uh, nothing else external de decides who we are or, or makes up who we are, right? Uh, we have this idea, but really, I mean, I, I don't think that's entirely true. I like to think of myself as unique because I'm American, but I realize I'm not as unique as I would like to think that I am. Uh, we, we aren't uh, self-made individuals. Our culture has a huge impact on who we turn out to be. The, the influences our lives, the, the characters that we identify in stories, the, the heroes that we follow in leadership, they, they, they really influence us into who we turn out to be. We're not nearly as unique or self-made as we like to think that we are, and I think the evidence, I've got two pieces of evidence for that. One is the two-party political system, right? Um, the two-party political system. There is virtually no possibility that anyone from a third party can win an election, even though they should. There's lots of people out there, right? But, but, but we're all like, we're all so like, man, if you throw, vote for a third party, you're throwing your vote away, right? Like, I can't do that. I got to support one or the other. Uh, and so, so if you look at those, I always have fun on the day after a major election to look at all the third party candidates, right? And it's like 1%, 0.002%, right? It's like nothing, right? So we're not nearly as unique as we like to think we are. The other piece of evidence that we're not as unique or uh, self-made as we like to think that we are is advertising. They spend billions and billions of dollars in advertising, and they wouldn't do it if it wasn't effective, right? They, they absolutely wouldn't do it if it wasn't effective because they wouldn't just throw money out. They wouldn't have any more money to throw out. It's very effective. We are formed and shaped in ways that we are not aware of. We need to realize that um, if we are not aware of those influences in our lives, they will shape us. More so than that, more than advertising, more than political parties, we need to be careful about who we follow. And we need to be aware that we could follow people with bad character and take on that bad character ourselves because unless you're aware of it, it happens without you knowing. Why should we be careful who we follow? As we continue the book of Proverbs, remember Proverbs is written by King Solomon, the son of King David, when Solomon was offered uh, a blessing from God. The Lord said, I will give you whatever you want. He could have had riches. He could have had power. I mean, and th listen, this is the time after Samson. So he could have said, I want to have superpowers, right? And I want to I be, I want to fly. Like he could have said anything. And yet he said, I want wisdom more than anything else. And, uh, and one of the results of that is him writing this book. And so that's where we continue listening to King Solomon in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of favor, favor around your head and a pendant around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. Okay, so what's happening here is I think what Solomon is saying, he says, listen, my son, and people are like, oh, look, it's a misogynistic book. All he's, talk, he's training the boys. No, what he's saying is the people who listen or people who read this book he says, you are like my firstborn son, like the heirs to the kingdom. Those of you who are listening to this knowledge, I am giving you my knowledge like I am to the next in line for the throne. So he knows men and women are going to read this. You are like my own son. Listen to your father's instruction. Don't reject your mother's teaching. 
There will be a garland of favor around your head. If you listen to the voice of wisdom, it is like getting the gold medal at the Olympics. And then he gives this. This is his uh, big idea, at least part of it. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. Now we have to talk about what he mean by sinners, because we, we know as Christians all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he's not talking about every human being. What he's talking about technically here is this really um, specific term. What he means by sinners are people in their general lives who have rejected the rule of God. People who have said, I understand who God is. I've heard about God, and I want nothing to do with him. I'm going to live the life I want to live. I'm going to live it the way I want to live. I don't care about what God says. And in, uh, in his day, in our day, this could have looked different. They didn't really have atheists back then, uh, but they, it could have been someone who followed a different God. It could have been someone who understood the God of Israel, but he said, you know what? He doesn't care. I've done bad things in my life before and he didn't punish me, so I'm going to continue to do them because I'm getting ahead in life. In our day, it could be someone who's atheist. It could be someone who uh, just is agnostic. It could be someone who's like, you know what? I don't care about God. I, you asked me, do I want to know more about Jesus? And it's like, do you want to learn the piano? No, right? So it's no big deal. Um, that's kind of what he means. People who've rejected the rule of God in their lives. He says, don't be persuaded. Now, it's interesting. Why could they be enticed? I think the answer is easy, right? It's because like, sin promises to be a shortcut in life. If you want what you want, do it God's way, which is usually long, is usually a process, and process feels like a four-letter word sometimes, doesn't it? Or you could just cut out the middleman, sin, do what you want, go grab what you want. He says, don't be enticed by them. Don't let them persuade you. Well, why? Why should we be careful about who we follow? Why is he warning us about being enticed by people who reject God's rule in their lives? Well, Solomon gives us, before he gives us the reason, and it's a very pragmatic reason, before that, he gives us a few, or he gives us one illustration of what this might look like. In uh, verse 11, he says, if they say, the sinners, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol, whole. Like those who go down to the pit, the pit, Sheol, that's kind of basically saying the grave. It's euphemism for the grave. You're dead. We, verse 13, we'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll all share in the loot, my son. Don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil, and they hurry to shed blood. So it gives us this one example of someone who is enticed by violent individuals. And you might have heard of someone, right? Like this is kind of how people get involved with like the mafia or the mob or sometimes gangs, right? They just kind of get enticed by friends and they get pulled in. And he says, what the result of this is evil. If you get enticed by them and they say, hey, let's do violence against people, and at first you're like, I don't know, but you get involved, you're going to end up doing evil, grave evil to people. Let me give you more examples. Why should we be careful about who we follow? Um, why, why do people hate? I mean, I know it's because of sin, but, but think about people who hate entire people groups. right? People who hate people who are white, or because they're black, or Hispanic, or Asian. Or people who hate people because they're political affiliation, they're Republican, they're Democrats. Or their lifestyle choices or beliefs or practices and they hate their uh, LGBTQ plus uh, neighbors and, and friends. 
Why, do, why can people have sustained hate? I mean, as Christians, we are called to love others. We are called to even love our enemies, even those who are against us, whether, whether socially or politically. We are called to love them. More than that, we understand that every individual is made in the image of God and therefore has internal, intrinsic value. And Christ has called us to love everyone. How in the world do people begin to hate? And more than that, how do Christians begin to hate? I know we'll, we'll gussy it up with other language, but man, when you look at what, how people talk about other individuals or groups of people, you can understand it's hate. How do people, how can they sustain that level of hate? I think the only way is if you are surrounded with individuals who don't call you out on it, right? You tell a racist joke and eh, people laugh or whatever, or they're like, oh, that was a good one, right? Or versus you tell a racist joke and people are like, whoa, that wasn't cool. Right? That, was, that was too far. Um, people make uh, snide comments about uh, people, you know, all, all, of, all of those Republicans, you know, they're all, um, I can't think of anything I've seen online recently that I can say during a sermon. Anyway, um, or all those Democrats are, see the previous comment, um, right? Like, how can you get into that point. Well, you are surrounded with people that you are influencing you, following you, and no one calls you out on it. In fact, I was amazed. It was like, I don't know, five years ago, my wife and I were at a wedding, and we were with uh, some individuals at a table, and uh, someone had said something about hating the other political party, and I was like, look, we don't have that option as Christians. We are called to love. And they argued with me. Like, they are, like, you are wrong. And I'm like, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I always do it. I'm not saying I love to do it. I'm not saying that I don't need Jesus' help to do it. But we're called to do this. And they're like, nope, you're wrong. Like, whoa. Like, that was eye-opening. And every so often, you'll see if you're my friend on Facebook. And if you're not, feel free to friend me. Um, every so often, maybe I'll do it today. I like to post this, this post. It says, uh, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I ask a question, do you love your political enemies? And it's got like, you know, a picture of a donkey and an elephant on there. And every time I post that, it's, I post it because I like, you know, like to be yelled at. <laughs> because every time I post it, there are people arguing against that. Christians who are arguing against that. Yeah, but, yeah, but. You only become hateful if you surround yourself with people who won't call you out on it. Solomon says, be careful. Don't let sinners entice you. Why should we be careful about the people we follow? About who we follow? Why should we be careful? I'll give you another example. Solomon talked about violent people. They will turn you violent and evil. I just gave you an example about people who are hateful. They will turn you hateful and evil. And you don't even know it. And you do it in the name of Jesus. And that's wrong. That's evil. Um, another example is, uh, you know, like um, malicious gossip, drama lovers, right? Like, we've all dealt with that before, right? Um, at first, you're like, eh, I don't understand how this could be awful. But the pettiness and the, the backstabbing that happens with all of that, it's really betrayal. It's, it's hurting individuals. Um, I'll, I'll give you a personal example from my life. When I was in fourth grade, about halfway through, this girl came into our, our school. Like she was a transfer student, which is strike one, right? That's really hard. Her name was Vicky. Vicky Jankowski, I still remember to this day. And she was a little off. Like she was weird. She dressed weird. She ate weird foods. She smelled a little bit different, right? Not bad, just different, right? And so in retrospect, as an adult, I can now see that she came from a trauma background. 
and she had trauma in her life. So of course, what did all the students do? Wow, this person's had a hard life. Let's make it worse, right? And she was picked on and she was treated terribly. And fortunately, somehow, like myself and a small group of people, we kind of sort of befriended her. I mean, we were nice to her. We would play with her once in a while. I mean, to be honest, we still kind of held her a little. We, you know, we weren't, we, we didn't participate in the name calling and all the other mean stuff that they did. You know, we sometimes bring her involved. You know, she was still a little bit at arm's length, but, but, uh, but we did okay, right, for fourth graders. So she was there for fourth grade. She was there for fifth grade. Still, all this is going on. She was there for about halfway through sixth grade, right? And I had maintained, you know, being a decent human being to her up until that point. But here's the other problem. In sixth grade, all of a sudden, I was starting to be almost accepted by the cool people, right? My whole entire existence, I'm like down here with cools up here, right? And I was like, all right, I'm almost there, right? And so they were now tolerating me, ooh, right? Tolerating me. And again, as retrospect, as an adult, those um, cool people were, okay, I'm gonna use a technical term on you if that's okay. They were jerk faces. Um, but, you know, they were the cool jerk faces, right? So I wanted to be with the cool jerk faces. So it's from Greek. Uh, so, so I'm working up my, my way, and they're, they're like start, starting to tolerate me. And then I found out that uh, I heard the news that uh, Vicky was moving. And the people who were sharing that were like, oh, wow, this is good stuff, right? Like, oh, thank goodness she's leaving. Our lives can fully, finally be full and complete. And... Um, yeah, right up to the last day that she was there, I was her friend. And on that last day, because I wanted to impress the cool people who didn't really care about me, who were a bunch of jerks, but were influencing my life, I started breaking the news to them. And I was excited, just like them. Oh, guess what? Vicky's leaving. Oh my goodness, Vicky's leaving. Can you believe it? Oh, yeah, high fives. It's the greatest day ever. I don't even know if she knew that I, I did that, but uh, I never saw her again. I've looked her up on Facebook a number of times. Can't find her. I don't have it. What I did was evil. And you can't say, oh, you were only in sixth grade. No, it was, yeah, I knew what I was doing. Please. I'd maintained for over, you know, two years, basically, to, to be a friend and knew that you know, people treated her like garbage all the time and she didn't deserve to be treated like garbage. And then on the last day that she's in my life of existence, I treated her like garbage because I wanted to be accepted by the people I wanted to impress, the people who were influencing my life. Why should we be careful about who we follow, who is influencing us. And sometimes those influences, sometimes they're friends, sometimes they're family members, sometimes they're parents, sometimes they're kids, our own kids. Sometimes they are not even real. Sometimes they're characters in a story. I want to be like that character. Uh, sometimes they're, they're, they're people that you see on the news or, or political uh, uh, characters, or not characters, but political uh, persons. Figures, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. Why should we be careful about who we follow? Well, Solomon, he gives us this, this, this example of the violent people, and he says their feet run towards evil, and they hurry to shed blood. He says, yeah, so you should be careful about who you follow because they might turn out to be, make you evil. And we go, okay. They turn you into a sinner like them who has no regard for God, has no regard to follow Him, does not want to follow His rules, His statutes, His calling to love others. But that's not the reason that Solomon gives. That's not the ultimate reason why he says you should be careful about who you follow. Interesting. 
Because I think Solomon knew. And maybe some of you are here saying, you know what, I, I, I really don't care if I'm evil. I don't care if I'm a sinner. Who cares? I could just live my life. I, if, I, if sinning gets me ahead in life, if it's a shortcut and it gets me what I want now, rather than having to do it God's way, which is usually long and painful in a process, which is a four-letter word, then I'm going to do it. And I don't care. I know, no one here at church is going to say that out loud. I got it. But we think it. Solomon anticipated that. And he says this in verse 17. He says, It is useless to spread a net where any bird can see it. But they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. He's saying evil people end up destroying themselves. They set a net to trap others and they get caught in it themselves. Sin and evil always destroys the self. It always injures the self. Jesus didn't tell us not to do certain sins. God did not give us the Ten Commandments. He said, you know what? <laughs> They're having too good of a time there. I just want to break their part. I don't like parties. <laughs> I don't like fun. I'm just going to stomp on all their fun. No, he understood how he made the universe. And he's shown us how to live so that we will not injure ourselves or injure others. And sin seems like a shortcut, but it's not. Ultimately, it damages ourselves. Ultimately, it hurts our souls. Ultimately, it can ruin our lives. It's a trap we set for ourselves. And so Solomon is saying to us like he would to his most favored heir, be careful who you follow because it can destroy your life. A number of years ago, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or something, we were here back when Chris and I lived uh, in Traverse City, and uh, we were coming to Kingsley to visit some friends, and the um, Garfield was shut down. The, you know, so like, how do you get to Kingsley you know, without Garfield? So me not being new to the area and thinking I knew everything, I was like, oh, I know a shortcut. <laughs> right? So I go off of this a direction, I have no clue where, and I'm drive, we're driving, and we, uh, there's like a, a seasonal road. Oh, no problem, right? It's the middle of summer. No problem. <laughs> Who's laughing so hard? <laughs> you know what's happening. <laughs> so no problem, we'll just go around here, and then we'll come back up around whatever, or the, the construction or accident or whatever's going on in Garfield. So, so we're going off the seasonal road, and um, yeah, as we're driving, the car sinks about, eight inches into loose sand it just sucked it up right it was like the kids cartoons we all grew up with with quicksand and it was like and it was like oh man we also discovered that the car we bought that we were told by the dealer had four-wheel drive didn't have four-wheel drive <laughs> it was right we tried to take a shortcut and we ended up stuck we, we didn't even get to go to their house that week uh or that day we, we called them up we're like we're stuck the tow truck wouldn't even like come onto the road. He's like, oh, that looks horrible, right? So he had to like go out like 100 feet and pull, you know, just gently get us out. It was bad. It was really bad. We thought the shortcut was going to save us. We thought the shortcut was going to be quicker rather than going all the way down to Hammond and then turning up and then going down River Road. Like, ah, I got a quicker way. And we didn't even end up going to where we wanted to go. 
That's what sin does. That's what, that's what happens when we choose to follow people who've rejected God's rule. People who don't exhibit one single of the fruit of the Spirit. People who don't have love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or gentleness or, or faithfulness or self-control. That's what happens. Is It ruins our lives. It, it, it derails us. Years ago when we lived in California, uh, there, the film is still out there somewhere. I wrote and uh, narrated a film called Walking High. And there was a young man uh, named Richard. And it was a cool week. We spent the week making this film. And it was about a, an airport in Compton, California. Yes, that Compton. And it taught at-risk teenagers how to fly airplanes which seems like a good idea now that I'm saying it out loud, right? But it was a good way to get them involved in everything. And, and it was cool. We were there, and this kid, Richard, he was 14 years old, and I was shooting the B-roll, meaning the not-as-important role. So my friend Frank, who is the filmmaker, he was in the helicopter, the stunt helicopter, shooting the airplane that Richard was flying, 14-year-old kid flying. I have to stress that. 14-year-old kid flying. I was in the plane. The 14-year-old kid was flying, filming out the window with a little camera, <laughs> right? So I was flown in an airplane with a 14-year-old, right? It's pretty incredible, though. He knew what he was doing. Like, I was, I, I should have been nervous. I wasn't. I didn't call my mom because she would have been nervous, <laughs> But uh, he knew what he was doing. It was great. It was this good program. And, and as long as you did your homework, you stayed out of trouble, you get to learn to be a pilot. And these are some of the youngest pilots in America. Phenomenal. Years fast forward. And I found out, um, you know, I was talking to the program uh, owner, and, and he said, uh, yeah, you know, that kid you guys did the documentary about? Yeah. Well, he's in jail. He hung out with a bunch of friends. They influenced him. One of his friends had him drive the car on his way over to murder someone. He was in the car, the, driving the getaway car, and in California, if you are an accomplice, you are charged with murder the same as the other person. What an opportunity he had to escape this life, and yet he fell under the influence of violent people and it ruined his life. He's still in jail. Sin does that to us. Whether, whether it's the, the, a sin of violence like that or, or if it's the, the catty kind of gossip that happens among individuals and people, I mean, that really damages relationships. That's a kind of betrayal. That pettiness, that, that, that backbiting, that, that malicious gossip that destroys individuals. And even the person doing the gossip, eventually, because nobody wants to talk to them anymore. At least nobody who's a decent human being. Right? Or whether you're talking about the guy, you know, the... Uh, sinful uh, like promiscuity or, or hatreds or anger, right? If you are influenced by leaders, by, by people who are encouraging you to reject following Christ, it can ruin your life. And so Paul, uh, Paul, <laughs> Solomon in Proverbs, it's amazing to me, he gives a very pragmatic, a very practical way reason for not following sinners for being careful about who we follow and who's influencing us he doesn't say well you'll turn out evil and you can say well i'm fine he says because it will destroy your own life it's in your own self-interest not to follow them and instead to follow the one true god it's hard 
I think the first step is to understand that we are not so strong that we are not influenced by the characters we read, by the, the people we watch, and by the people who are around us. We have to realize that. I think the next step is we have to make the person that we follow ultimately is Jesus and realize that he's the author and perfecter of our faith, that he is the ultimate one that we should follow, that we should follow after him and take on his characteristics. There's only one problem with that, right? What's the problem? How many of you have seen Jesus with your eyes? How many of you have held him in your arms? How many of you have fist bumped him or given him a high five? How many of you have been yelled at him <laughs> recently? Right? He's not here. And so that's hard, right? Okay, we should imitate Christ, we should follow after him, but I don't, you know, I don't see him. And all these influences in my life, they're everywhere and they're streaming 24/7. What do I do? Well, I think that's why the apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11:1. 1. Go ahead and put that up here, Drayton. He says, "Imitate me as I also imitate Christ." So for the church in Corinth, they were probably saying the same thing, and Paul says, "Look, Whatever you see in Jesus and me, do that. And he doesn't say imitate me because I imitate Christ. He says imitate me as I, as I also imitate Christ. Right. So he's saying he has personal flaws within him. Don't imitate those. Right. Take stock. Like this reminds me of Jesus. Ooh, that one? No. The kid spilled the milk and you lost your mind? Yeah, that wasn't Jesus. Understandable but not Jesus, <laughs> right? I know that. Don't cry over spilt milk. My wife and I talk about this all the time. You're like, do you realize what it did? Like, it's not the money. I mean, now it is the money because it's like, you know, cost the gallon of gas, which gas costs a lot too. But, but it's, it's everywhere. It's like three days worth of work cleaning that up and then you still find milk everywhere. It's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but, but imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Okay, what's the problem with that? <clears throat> Paul's dead. <laughs> How many of you have held Paul in your arms? Right? <laughs> no one's like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to hug Paul. Like, nobody's right. Like, I'll give him a hug. That's cool. But I'm not, he's, not, he's not the one I'm looking forward to. Okay, so now it's the problem. But we, we have a solution, don't we? You and I know people who are like Jesus. Not in every way, right? There's ways that they do not imitate Jesus. And so we just take note of those and don't follow them. But who, who do you know that's like Jesus? And online, go ahead, type, who do you know that's like Jesus? Who in your life reminds you of Jesus? They're not perfect, they have flaws, I get that, but who in your life, who you have met, seen face to face, reminds you of Jesus? Your dad. Who else? See, he needs to move up here so that everyone else can have the benefit of, of imitating him as he imitates Christ. Who else? Who? Your brother? Amen. Your grandma? Your great-grandma? It's a blessing. Who else? <laughs> You guys can't really see Darren's face right now. It's precious. You want to know something? On my list, Darren was on there too. <laughs> I'm just going to make awkward eye contact with you now. <laughs> Who else? 
Pastor Bruce and Pastor Jack. Uh, I've never met Pastor Jack. Pastor Bruce Baker from our, uh, the church I grew up in. He was on my list too. Uh, he was a pastor in, in the church that I went to. And man, oh man. Like, did you ever see him lose his temper? I, like, how is that possible? I, uh, God bless him. <laughs> That's like a man preaching on how to give birth effectively. <laughs> <laughs> he has no context. <laughs> uh, who else? Deb, did I see your hand up? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hmm. Mentor. Back in 1970. Yeah, amen. Uh, let, let's give the online crowd see if anyone wanted to chime in here. Um, hey, Jackie, good to have you here. Uh, Jane, her mom, Helen, Davidson, yeah? It's always good when you have parents that are godly individuals. Uh, over on YouTube, PKMN Trainer Goose, that's his name, uh, probably my grandpa. He preaches like it is, no matter if it hurts your feelings or not. <laughs> yeah. Look to those people. Um, again, they're not perfect and you have to realize that they have flaws, so don't follow them down with the flaws. But we need to be aware of it. That's what Solomon's saying. Be aware of it. Because following the wrong person can destroy, can ruin your life. But praise be to God, because of Jesus, if you have followed the wrong people and have made some really bad choices that have damaged your life, Jesus allows us to repent and He restores what was lost. Right, Even if we've gone down violent, promiscuous, catty, backstabbing ways, He does allow us to restore. Now sometimes there are natural consequences to our, our lives here on earth, but in the new heaven and new earth, we are promised full pardons. We are promised full forgiveness because of who Jesus is and how He's changed us. So Solomon's warning to us stands today. I have to tell you, there are some characters that I love in books that I'm like, man, this character is awesome. And I know that they're rascals and I should be nothing like them and they don't look a thing like Jesus. <laughs> but now that I'm, you know, I, I can read it and I go, okay, I'm aware of what this is and I shouldn't be like them, but it's an entertaining book. I can go ahead and read it as long as I'm aware. And I say, I don't need to become like this person. Follow people who are imitating Christ. Uh, we, you, <laughs> need to be careful about who you follow because it could ruin your life. Sin promises realities that don't exist. And Solomon is saying it is in your own self-interest to be godly, to follow God and to not follow the godless. Church, following Jesus is in your own self-interest. It's in your own best interest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Solomon. Um, we understand that ultimately we should follow Christ because he is the Messiah. He is true God and true man who has come to take the sins of the whole world and indeed our own sins away. That he is resurrected and lives forevermore and will come back one day to make a new heaven, a new earth, and reclaim his own. But I thank you that Solomon also is very pragmatic. And he gave us a, a very practical reason and saying, look, when we are influenced by the ungodly, when we are influenced by sin, when we try to use sin as a shortcut, 
it ruins our lives. It is a self-destroying endeavor. Father, thank You for the wisdom that Solomon gave us today. Thank You the wisdom that we can have through Your Holy Spirit. I pray as we are about to take the Lord's Supper together, we realize that we have the ultimate example in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can know how to love because He loved. We know how to challenge those in authority who are doing evil because He challenged those who are in authority doing evil. We know how to speak the truth in love because of Him. We know how to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us because of Him. We know how to live righteous lives because of Him. I pray that we will follow Him and when we have a hard time seeing who He is, that we will look to other individuals who are also imitating Christ and follow their example. Father, as we take the Lord's Supper together, I pray that You encourage us through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that because He died, we are set free from our sin. We are forgiven. And because He is raised again, we are adopted into Your family, called Your sons and daughters. And we have an eternal hope that cannot perish, cannot fade, cannot be taken away. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.